This podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge their ongoing connection to land, waters and culture. Sovereignty was never ceded and we recognise their ownership of what always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Second Weekend, a podcast where I recreate the fortnightly tradition of my youth of chatting to, reading with, and of course, learning from my dad, John. Hi. Uh, once a fortnight, we'll read you a couple of chapters of a mystery novel, much like when Holly was a young'un, as well as having a general gab about each other, the world, and literary crime fiction. Basically like an audiobook with a shitload of margin notes. Language, Holly. Sorry, Dad. We're starting with Agatha Christie's Murder on the Links. And we recommend listening to the episodes in chronological order for obvious reasons. Okay, here's the podcast. Okay. Hey, Dad. Hey, Ollie. How are you? Oh, I'm, um, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm going pretty well. Actually, a little bit seedy this morning. Oh, but um, oh, for good reasons. Yeah, is it good? Um, it was a friend's birthday last night, and we had um a little birthday Zoom, and I find it very difficult to talk to multiple people at the same time on the Zoom, and it has meant that I will usually have a good two beers before we even turn the Zoom on. Um, but I had a very pleasant time. Well, plus there's the you don't ha- ever have to drive home. So who, yeah, what's that is the a restraint? Yeah. yeah. You immediately leave when you want to and all of a sudden you're already eating a burrito watching Twin Peaks. <laughs> there's no like... <sighs> so, yeah, there's definite advantages. But, th- yeah, it's... um. But now I feel middling physically mm. this morning. Mm. Mm. What about you? How's your weekend been? Oh, good. Yesterday was a bit of a crash out from the just getting through the week. I find because I'm teaching with Zoom and um, mm. it's, uh, it keeps you on your toes. Like you're up quite early um, trying to get it happening and then you don't really get to sort of stop until it's time to go. And I'm not really, you know. I need I need a bit of recovery on the weekends. I'm finding so. Yeah, you got to convalesce. I hate that though. It's like that's the day when you wanted to, you know, you know, write that. You're not a big convalescer. No, it's like yeah. there's, there's stuff to do. I've got to write that Pulitzer Prize winning play or something like that. You know. Um. Oh, I I wanted to show you something actually. Um. I meant to show you this before we started recording. But mm. I'll show it to you now and. Uh, maybe you'll like it because last time we were recording it was Easter Sunday Mm. and that was great I love Easter and then you did your amazingly cute 
Google Easter egg hunt <laughs> for me and Zach and we were able to virtually search your house for Easter eggs. I found lots. She did. She was a champion. And now, but everybody, mm. if you, um, now if you listen to the last episode, you'll know what the big secret was because that was the big secret. Yes, it was a, it was a brilliant secret. And I often, oof, you know, surprises are really touch and go with me. Uh, yes. But it was the perfect level of, um, it was not high pressure. Um, it was only pleasant. <laughs> I didn't have to do anything that required, um, you know, me looking more positive than I felt. And it was impossible to feel more positive than I felt because <laughs> it, was- it was Easter Sunday. But often, yeah, you're, you're really, if someone surprises you, you have to do a lot of like, oh, this is, this is great. <laughs> um, and <laughs> it yeah, was not, not my strong suit. Not my fort, as dad has told fort. me. That it's, it was, it's not forte, apparently. It was apparent. I was also must have been the easiest Easter egg hunt anybody's ever done because on the screen, <laughs> fair, all really the locations <laughs> were within two millimeters of each other. So it was like, yeah. hot, you were always hot, 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 no matter where you were yes. in the room. But in, for that reason, it was a little bit difficult because I'd, you'd move it to what looked like the ceiling and apparently that was hot. <laughs> so that was, you know, the hints weren't as helpful as usual, but it was really, it was really easy. You went straight um, for that stairwell, the, the, the stair turnaround, my mm. winding stair bit. You knew that was prominent just the way I photographed I knew, it. I knew you'd put one there. I knew you'd pop one in your little cello Case, yes, you got like, hot onto tuck that. Tuck it in there. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I know how you run an Easter egg hunt. It's not my first time. <laughs> um, and then later in the day, Zach and I made Easter egg baskets, and I realized I hadn't shown you mine yet. No. Um, here is my beautiful Easter egg basket. Oh, holy! Look, there goes Jesus up to heaven. It's oh, it's got everything. And it's really good. The color combinations are really good. It's kind of all tawny and baskety. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, it still has some chocolate in it because I'm a fucking pro at saving my Easter chocolate so that I am the only one that has Easter chocolate left. Holly, as I told you, I've had the bad sleeps the last couple of weeks, so I've been demolishing that chocolate. But I've still got that big oh, yeah. carob waiting for you. Don't think that's going to go Oh, by. thank God. Yeah. What would I do? Without it, without that on the horizon. Oh, it should be mentioned that lots of people. Do, Dad is very sensitive to caffeine, and so just eating some dark chocolate functions the same way as having a coffee for Dad. A, a triple so macchiato why, for me. Yeah, it really like he's up all night if he has too much of the lint. Which, uh, yeah, it's very cute. Um, should be. Should we get into the book, or do you have any any more goss? We're all hungry for goss. Oh, we are. Well, this is everybody is, but of course, no, you know, nobody is meeting anybody, so there's not really that much to go around. I think the only excitement in the world today can be found in an Agatha Christie novel. <laughs> Smooth segue. <laughs> um, but I also agree, as I do at any even non-COVID times. It's kind of my brand. No. Oh, no, I know. I did want to say one thing uh-huh. um, before. I said something um, very stupid on the last recording. When I was listening back to it, I was horrified. I was basically recommending my new 
favorite podcast, which is called The Faculty of Horror. Yeah. And it's a podcast about uh, two academics talking about um, horror movies that they like. I think they are Alexandra West and Andrea Subasetti. They're lovely hosts. I said they were um, film students. They are not lowly film students. <laughs> not, they are seasoned professional journalists and academics. Um, and so if anyone listens to that, I'm, you know, I'm, I was devastated to hear my own mistake. Probably made it because I was nervous or just because I say wrong shit all the time. Um, I think it's always good to insert a we were wrong column into our podcast sessions. You know, it's going to yeah. happen. We are kind of yeah, freewheeling here. Wrong. We're freewheeling. Mm. It's, we're shooting from the hip. There is not a whole lot of prep. No. That's for sure. I mean, no. But I think it's more like we might capture truths that might not be captured if we were just, it was all laborious research. Wing, mm. wing shots and I know, at the truth. What's wing shots? You know, when you just shoot that little bird out of the sky, just <laughs> dang, you hit that at the wing, down it goes. That sounds awful. <laughs> Yeah, I, oh. yeah, when I say you do <laughs> it, I don't mean you actually do it because I know you don't do such You know things. when you're out shooting birds? As you do. Just, <laughs> you're just out for your daily COVID walk and you're just like pew, Holly, pew, ho- pew. Holly being a, a vegan and me being a vegetarian, it's kind of like, yeah, just, it's, we, we have to have an outlet. <laughs> yeah, I need to get my animal cruelty in somewhere <laughs> and uh, birds are terrifying. <laughs> they are. I said it. We all know. No, no, no one agrees with us, Holly. We've got to tell the world. We've got to watch those prehistoric, you know, Jurassic oh, remnants. My veganism is like majoritively like, oh, that's an animal that I like, so I don't want to, I don't want to eat it. Mm. Uh, but when it comes to birds, it's more of a like, it's, it's a truce. Mm. It's a, like when they take over, they'll see me and they'll they'll know mm. that I, you know, I don't have an issue with them they didn't have an issue with me that's that's what that agreement is oh yeah know your enemy yeah and just you know respect people that are more powerful than you birds in this instance that was a really that was a lot of mixed messages but that's pretty consistent with what's going on right now so and we could edit out whatever we want yeah yeah i love how you say we but it's me. <laughs> yeah, like you, I you. have to do it. <laughs> Dad's definitely getting a good end of the deal here. But you, I do think you do put more work in in the line readings than I do. So having said out. having having said that, I haven't gone back and listened to what my voices were like two weeks ago. So everyone got to watch out just in case there's a, 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 a dramatic recasting of the dramatis personae. You know, I'm I can't remember what the Sergeant de Ville sounded like. Did he have a little voice or a big, deep French voice like in my school French readings where everybody sounded like that when they were men? Should we recap the last couple of paragraphs? Why don't we go back from um, from Hastings having seen a certain woman by the side of the road? No, that's way too far back. I'm talking about by Jove Poirot on the last page oh. of the... Oh, totally. Okay. Hmm. By Jove Poirot. I exclaimed. Did you see that young goddess? Poirot raised his eyebrows. Ça commence. He murmured. Already you have seen a goddess. But hang it all, wasn't she? Um, Possibly. I did not remark the fact. Surely you noticed her. Mon ami, 
two people really see the same thing. You, for instance, saw a goddess. I... He hesitated. Yes? I saw only a girl with anxious eyes, said Poirot gravely. But at that moment, we drew up at a big green gate, and simultaneously we both uttered an exclamation. Before it stood... Oh, before it stood an imposing Sergeant de Ville. He That's held it. up his hand to bar our way. You cannot pass, monsieur. But we wish to see Mr. Renault, I cried. We have an appointment. This is his villa, isn't it? Yes, monsieur, but... Poirot leaned forward. But what? Monsieur Renault was murdered this morning. Ooh. Speak yeah. music. Now I remember. Bad stuff. Yeah. And let's find out about it in... Hold up, I'm just going to grab a sip of water. Before, when Zach was fixing some technical issues, I used the break to eat some Acer chocolate um, and it stuck in my throat. Rookie mistake. <laughs> hey there, uh, Holly here. Just popping in uh, to give a quick content warning for some ableist language that's coming up, unfortunately. Um, I wish I could blame it on this moldy old book, but it's mostly from me, which is fucking sucks. So uh, I apologize for that. I'm working to keep ableist language out of my lexicon, but sometimes I slip up. Uh, me and dad are going to work on it in the future episodes and hopefully you can still enjoy the story. But yeah, I fucked up and I'm sorry. Uh, alrighty, back to the podcast. Okay. Um, chapter three. At the Villa Genevieve. In a moment, Poirot had leapt from the car his eyes blazing with excitement. What is that you say? Murdered? When? Ow! The Sergeant de Ville drew himself up. I cannot answer any questions, monsieur. True, I comprehend. Poirot reflected for a minute. The commissary of police? He is without doubt within. Yes, monsieur. Poirot took a card and scribbled a few words on it. Voila. Will you have the goodness to see that this card is sent into the commissary at once? The man took it and, turning his head over his shoulder, whistled. In a few seconds, a comrade joined him and was handed Poirot's message. There was a wait of some minutes and then a short, stout man with a huge moustache came bustling down to the gate. The sergeant de ville saluted and stood aside. Perhaps you would like to be... Mr. Mr. Bex, it will make the next bit easier. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Zach's coming in while we're recording, which I would never do. By the way, Zach, thanks so much for the technical assistance earlier with the highly technical. Hear you. Uh, I'm just. This is for the sake of <laughs> the, for the listeners. Zach was very helpful with a highly technical suggestion of plugging my microphone in. That really helps <laughs> the recording. Work a lot better than it was before. Thank God he's here. You know, <laughs> yes. we'd be absolutely fucking floundering without him. I mean, me in other ways, but predominantly to do with recording this podcast. Um, 
who who am I? Where are we? <laughs> <laughs> you're a bit. Oh, you're better say, my dear Monsieur Poirot. Oh, I'm the newcomer. Okay. Do, do you want me my to? Dear, do you, yeah. Hmm? Okay. Yeah. Fine. My dear Monsieur Poirot, cried the newcomer. I am delighted to see you. Your arrival is most opportune. Poirot's face had lighted up. Monsieur Bex, this is indeed a pleasure. He turned to me. This is an English friend of mine, Captain Hastings. Monsieur Lucien Bex. The commissary and I bowed to each other ceremoniously. Then Monsieur Bex turned once more to Poirot. Mon vieux. Sorry, I have to ask you so many things in this last paragraph. Oh, cool. So this is mon vieux. Mon vieux. And vieux, vieux means old. So it's like my old friend or oh. old boy. Oh, I like that. Okay. Mon vieux, I have not seen you since 1909, that time in Ostend. You have information to give which may assist us? Possibly you know it already. You were aware that I had been sent for? No. By whom? The dead man. It seems that he knew an attempt was going to be made on his life. Unfortunately, he sent for me too late. Sacre tenere, ejaculated the Frenchman. What does that mean? Um, Tonnerre. I'm going to look that up. Ton, it's like a bell. Tonnerre. I'll I'll check it. Sacre tonnerre. It might be the bells, the sacred bells, you know, when you die. Um, Okay. I'll take it. I'll, I'll, I'll... yeah, I'll check. It. I'll check it later. I've got a, a range of French dictionaries, but of course, there's always the interweb thingy. So he foresaw his own murder. That upsets our theories considerably. But come inside. He held the gate open, and we commenced walking towards the house. Monsieur Bex continued to talk. The examining magistrate, Monsieur Hotet, must hear of this at once. He has just finished examining the scene of the crime and is about to begin his interrogations. When was the crime committed? Asked Poirot. The body was discovered this morning about nine o'clock. Madame Renault's evidence and that of the doctors goes to show that death must have occurred about 2 a.m. But enter, I pray of you. We had arrived at the steps which led up to the front door of the villa. In the hall, another Sergeant de Ville was sitting. He rose at sight of the the commissary. Where is Monsieur Hotet now? Inquired the latter. And there'd be Ote, by the way. Ote. Ote. Okay. Um, they they drop their H's okay. in, as is said in um, the boyfriend. They drop their H's in France. What's that? They, oh, so the boyfriend is a musical from the nineteen fifties, mm. and it was the musical in which, um, in which Julie Julie Andrews became a star, right? Um, and in on Broadway, and from that she went on to become Eliza Doolittle. Anyway. Um, so all around Europe, particularly in Western Europe, H's went out about, well, two or three hundred years ago. They went out of favour. They just were no longer the thing. So I am and Oli. You are Oli, yeah. Oli. Vraiment. Mm. Um, and that also occurred in upper class English usage as well. Mm. Right? So, um, that's why you still hear old pronunciations such as an hotel and an historic occasion. And of course, honour. Um, air, heiress, all those words, we still don't pronounce the H. Now, in Italian, Spanish and Portuguese, they stopped spelling the H. But in French and English, they kept spelling the H. And eventually, H came back in upper-class English, except the working class in London, after copying the upper-class and dropping their H's, right? In Alfred, Erifer, Namshire, Arikans hardly ever happen. 
Um, then the That's upper how class they get started you. using them. The upper class started using them again. I guess I think it's because the, there was a German royal family or some other reason. H's came back. Ah, they're just always trying to fuck over working class. Yeah. As soon as you yeah. take <sighs> motherfuckers. It happened with R's in New York too. Mm. R's went away in New York. Then the upper class brought them back, and then the working class still use them. Well, don't use them. Still don't. Still got. Shocking that I didn't get that reference about that 1950s musical. Absolutely can't believe it went over my head. Oh, yeah. Ken Russell mm. did a film version with Twiggy in the late 70s, early 80s, late 70s. Mm. Only like 20 years before I was born, so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Thanks. Um, oh, where was I? Sergeant Deville. Ah, oh. where is Monsieur Ote now? Inquired the latter. In the salon, monsieur. <laughs> okay. Um, Monsieur Bex opened a door to the left of the hall and we passed in. Monsieur Otet and his clerk were sitting at a big t- round table. They looked up as we entered. The commissary introduced us and explained our presence. Monsieur Otet, the juge d'instruction? Hmm. So the the judge of the instruction, but I guess he's like the... Uh, you know, the judge the, of the instruction. The, well, in this case, um, he sounds like a medical examiner. He's, he's doing oh, right. the, the body. Like the, the coroner? The corpse. Yeah, that kind of guy. Judge. Juge. Juge d'instruction. Juge d'instruction. Fantastic. That guy, the, old, the judge yeah. d'instruction, was a tall, gaunt man with piercing dark eyes and a neatly cut grey beard which he had a habit of caressing as he talked. Standing what did by- you do? Remember I had one? Oh, yes, I remember. When I talked, I used to – well, I kept – I used to have a goatee before the 90s when everybody else had them and I cut it off and for like cool. two decades afterwards I was still stroking it. Mm. It was my phantom goatee. I can imagine that, it, yeah, that once you developed the habit it would be hard to drop. It's a good pensive little – Do you ever the, think about getting the, the audience, goatee back? I'm watching. I'm watching the <laughs> – the trends, see what the, the tides. Rest of the community. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm trying to be a counter title, mm. but yet, you know, got to be a slave to style, but never to fashion. That's my belief. Mm. Classic you. Mm. Um, standing by the mantelpiece was an elderly man with slightly stooping shoulders who was introduced to us as Doctor Durand. 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 Um, I am Monsieur Hotet. God. Um, no, you can be, oh, Monsieur no, Otet. I'll be. Okay, thank God. Most, most extraordinary. Remarked Monsieur Otet as the commissary finished speaking. You have the letter here, Monsieur? Poirot handed it to him and the magistrate read it. Oh, he's a magistrate. Juge. That makes sense. Oh. So he's actually a magistrate. Juge means judge. So. Yeah. So I got that wrong. Oh. Okay. Um, Poirot handed. Okay. Hmm. He speaks of a secret. What a pity he was not more explicit. We are much indebted to you, Monsieur Poirot. I hope you will do us the honour of assisting us in our investigations. Or are you obliged to return to London? Monsieur le juge, I propose to remain. I did not arrive in time to prevent my client's death. But I feel myself bound in honour to discover the assassin. The magistrate bowed. Ah, these sentiments do you honour. Also, without doubt, Madame Renault will wish to retain your services. We are expecting Monsieur Giraud from the Sûreté in Paris any moment. 
and I am sure that you and he will be able to give each other mutual assistance in your investigations. In the meantime, I hope that you will do me the honor to be present at my interrogations, and I need hardly say that if there is any assistance you require, it is at your disposal. I thank you, monsieur. You will comprehend that at the moment I am completely in the dark. I know nothing whatever. Monsieur Otet nodded to the commissary, and the latter took up the tale. This morning, the old servant Francois, on descending to start her work, found the front door ajar. Feeling a momentary alarm as to burglars, she looked into the dining room, but seeing the silver was safe, she thought no more about it, concluding that her master had, without doubt, risen early and gone for a stroll. Pardon, monsieur, for interrupting, but was that a common practice of his? No, it was not, but old Francois had the common idea as regards the English that they are mad and liable to do the most unaccountable things at any moment. And, and, and she's a girl, Françoise. Oh. She's, a, she's an old woman. Françoise. Françoise. Is, that's what they're talking about. It's the E at the end that makes it audible, right? So it's Françoise. It's spelled just the same. It means Frank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but Françoise is, so she's an old maid. Mm-hmm. Literally, not an old maid, but she's an old. She's. she's domestic. Yes. She's a maid who's old. Yes. yes. Elderly. Senior. Senior. She's a senior. No, that, it's fine. It's power on. <laughs> Going to call her mistress as usual, a younger maid, Leonie, was horrified to discover her gagged and bound almost at the same moment news was brought that Mr. Renault's body had been discovered, stone dead, stabbed in the back. Where? That is one of the most extraordinary features of the case. Monsieur Poirot, the body was lying, face downwards, in an open grave. What? Yes. The pit was freshly dug, just a few yards outside the boundary of the villa grounds. And it had been dead. How long? Dr. Durand answered this. I examined the body this morning at eight o'clock. Death must have taken place at at least seven and possibly... Pause. Pause a second. Does yours say eight o'clock? Ten. Mine says ten. Yeah, ten. You said eight. Yeah, I don't know why I said that. And let's take a look. Hang on. She's trying to Maybe lay this false trail of clues. <laughs> yes. Damn it. You've caught me out, you clever French or Belgian interrogator. Now, wait a second. Who was Monsieur Giraud? I've lost track. We'll have to edit all this out. You have No, to I think we're just kind of taking turns in a way that the least annoying to read for us, um, which I think is fair. There seems to be annoying blocks of paragraphs where different Frenchmen – um, say boring stuff. Let's go from, you know, you be Dr. Durand and and you be yes. the magistrate, judge instruction, gaunt, goatee man. Yes. And um, Poirot. And I will be Hastings Bex. and Bex. Yeah. Because Otet is that man. Otet is a magistrate. Ote. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Is that okay? Cool. Okay. And it had been dead. How long? Dr. Durand answered this. I examined the body this morning at <laughs> 10 o'clock. Death must have taken place at least seven, possibly 10 hours previously. Hmm. That fixes it. At between midnight 
and 3 a.m. Exactly. And Mrs. Wayno's evidence places it at after 2 a.m., which narrows the field still further. Death must have been instantaneous and naturally could not have been self-inflicted. Poirot nodded and the commissary resumed. Madame Renault was hastily freed from the cords that bound her by the horrified servants. She was in a terrible condition of weakness, almost unconscious from the pain of her bonds. It appears that two masked men entered the bedroom, gagged and bound her, whilst forcibly abducting her husband. This we know at second hand from the servants. On hearing the tragic news, she fell at once into an alarming state of agitation. On arrival, Dr. Durand immediately prescribed a sedative, and we have not yet been able to question her. But without doubt, she will wake more calm and be equal to bearing the strain of the interrogation. The commissary paused. And the inmates of the house, monsieur? Hmm. There is old Francoise, the housekeeper. She says old. Yeah, but you know, this is... Agatha Christie, where's the political correctness? You know, you can't really look yeah, at it, Yeah, she does say some other fuck stuff, so... Okay, fine. There is elderly Francoise, the housekeeper. She lived for many years with the former owners of the Villa Genevieve. Then there are two young girls, sisters, Denise and Leonie Ulyard. Ulyard? There's no I, so it's just Ula. Leonie Ula. Their home is in Merlinville, and they come of the most respectable parents. Then there is the chauffeur, whom Monsieur Renault brought over from England with him, but he is away on holiday. Finally, mm. there is Madame Renault and her son, Monsieur Jacques Renault. He too is away from home at present. Poirot bowed his head. Monsieur Otet spoke. Marchand! The sergeant de ville appeared. Bring in the woman, Francoise. The man saluted and disappeared. In a moment or two, he returned, escorting the frightened Francoise. Your name is Francoise Arichet? Yes, monsieur. You have been a long time in service at the Villa Genevieve. Eleven years with Madame la Vicomtesse. When she sold the villa this spring, I consented to remain on with the English, my lord. Never did I imagine. The magistrate cut her short. Without doubt, without doubt. Now, Francoise, in this matter of the front door, whose business was it to fasten it at night? Mine, monsieur. I always saw to it myself. And last night? I fastened it as usual. You are sure of that? I swear it by the blessed saints, monsieur. What time would that be? The same time as usual. Half past ten, monsieur. What about the rest of the household? Had they gone up to bed? Madame had retired some time before. Denise and Leonie went up with me. Monsieur was still in his study. Then, if anyone unfastened the door afterwards, it must have been... Monsieur Renault himself. Francoise shrugged her broad shoulders. What should he do that for? With robbers and assassins passing every minute. A nice idea. Monsieur was not an imbecile. It is not as though he had to let the lady out. The lady? What lady do you mean? Sorry. <laughs> Why, the lady who came to see him. Had a lady been to see him that evening? But yes, monsieur, and many other evenings as well. Who was she? Did you know her? A rather cunning look spread over the woman's face. How should I know who it was? She grumbled. 
I did not let her in last night. Aha! Roared the examining magistrate, bringing his hand down with a bang on the table. You would trifle with the police, would you? I demand that you tell me at once the name of this woman who came to visit Monsieur Renault in the evenings. This guy sounds like a fucking jerk. He's going to be the, like, their expert detective, maybe. Mm. And he's, like, he's like going to, ru- like, run it up against Poirot, and they're going to clash heads. Knock heads? Mm. What's the word? What's the phrase for when people uh, don't like each other? Uh, yeah, bang, bang heads. Bang heads? No, that's what you do. Now, someone bangs heads together when he gets them yeah. to work together. I know knock, what you mean. Yeah, knock that, heads? that thing. Loggerheads? Blo- be at loggerheads. Be at loggerheads? Crush yeah. it. Okay. Um, uh, so he was a jerk. He's you know, trifling with the police. Oh, okay. The police, the police, grumbled Francoise. Never did I think I should be mixed up with the police. But I know well enough who she was. It was Madame de Debris. Debreu? Debris. 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 It was Madame Debris. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> um, the commissary uttered an exclamation and leaned forward as though in utter astonishment. Madame Debris. Madame Debris. From the Villa Marguerite. From the Villa Marguerite. Wait, oh, you're I'm, the commissary. I'm the commissary. No. Yes. You're the commissary. I'm the magistrate. Yes. Commissary, magistrate. Two different things, right? Commissary, magistrate. I, they are. They're quite different I'm words, yeah. Quite across a Christie for this scene, to be honest. Um, Madame Debray from the Villa Marguerite just down the road? That is what I said, monsieur. Oh, she is a pretty one. The old woman tossed her head scornfully. Madame Debray murmured the commissary. Impossible. Voila grumbled Francoise. That is all you get for telling the truth. Not at all, said the examining magistrate soothingly. We were surprised. That is all. Madame de Breuil, then, and Monsieur Renaud, they were... He paused delicately. Eh? It was that? Without doubt? How should I know? But what will you? Monsieur, he was Milord Anglais. Très, très riche, and Madame de Bray, she was poor, that one, and très chic for all that she lived so quietly with her daughter. Not a doubt of it, she has had her history. She is no longer young, but ma foi. I who speak to you have seen the men's heads turn after her as she goes down the street. Besides, lately, she has had more money to spend. All the town knows it. The little economies, they are at an end." And Francoise shook her head with an air of unalterable certainty. Monsieur Otet, Otet, stroked his beard reflectively. And Madame Renault? He asked at length. How did she take this friendship? Francoise shrugged her shoulders. She was always most amiable, most polite. One would say that she suspected nothing. But all the same, it is not so. The heart suffers, monsieur. Day by day, I have watched madame grow paler and thinner. She was not the same woman who arrived here a month ago. Monsieur, too, has changed. He also has had his worries. One could see that he was on the brink of a crisis of the nerves. And who could wonder, with an affair conducted in such fashion? No reticence, no discretion. Style anglais, without doubt. 
Is that like the the English way? Hmm. Steel anglais, yeah. the English style. Steel, exactly. Steel <laughs> Once again, you say steel with the you put it in italics and it becomes French. Ah, oh, right? steel anglais. I bounded indignantly in my seat, but the examining magistrate was continuing his questions, undistracted by side issues. You say that Monsieur Renault had not to let Madame Dubreuil out? Had she left then? Yes, Monsieur. Monsieur said good night and shut the door after her. What time was that? About 25 minutes after 10, Monsieur. Do you know when Monsieur Renault went to bed? I heard him come up about 10 minutes after we did. The stair creaks so that one hears everyone who goes up and down. That is all? You heard no sound of disturbance during the night? Nothing whatever, Monsieur. Which of the servants came down the first in the morning? I did, Monsieur. At once I saw the door swinging open. What about the other downstairs windows? Were they all fastened? Every one of them. There was nothing suspicious or out of place anywhere. Good. Francoise, you can go. The old woman shuffled towards the door. On the threshold, she looked back. I will tell you one thing, monsieur. That Madame de Brault, she is a bad one. Oh, yes, one woman knows about another. She is a bad one. Remember that. And, shaking her head sagely, Francoise left the room. Leonie Ulla called the magistrate. Leonie appeared, dissolved in tears, and inclined to be hysterical. Monsieur Otet dealt with her adroitly. Her evidence was mainly concerned with the discovery of her mistress gagged and bound, of which she gave rather an exaggerated account. She, like Francoise, had heard nothing during the night. Her sister, Denise, succeeded her. She agreed that her master had changed greatly of late. Every day he became more and more morose. He ate less, he was always depressed. But Denise had her own theory. Without doubt, it was the mafia he had on his track. Two masked men, who else could it be? It is, of course, possible, said the magistrate smoothly. Now, my girl, was it you who admitted Madame Dobreuil into the house last night? Not last night, monsieur, the night before. Francoise has just told us that Madame Dobreuil was here last night. No, monsieur. A lady did come to see Monsieur Renault last night, but it was not Madame Dobreuil. <sighs> Surprised, the magistrate insisted, but the girl held firm. She knew Madame Dobreuil perfectly by sight. This lady was dark also, but shorter and much younger. Nothing could shake her statement. Have you ever seen this lady before? Never, monsieur. And the girl added diffidently, But I think she was English. English? Yes, monsieur. She asked for Monsieur Renault in quite good French, but the accent, however slight, one can always tell it. Besides, when they came out of the study, they were speaking in English. Did you hear what they said? Uh, could you understand it, I mean? Me? I speak the English very well, said Denise with pride. The lady was speaking too fast for me to catch what she said, but I heard Monsieur's last words as he opened the door for her. She paused, then repeated carefully and laboriously. <laughs> yes, yes, but for God's sake, go now. <laughs> what? What is this sentence? I don't know what his accent is. He's obviously got an English accent, <laughs> he's, which he's trying yeah, to Yeah, so he's the, he's the South American French Englishman. And so his sentence... Yeah, I think it's London. Like, it's really like, for, for God's sake. I think that's what they're trying oh to say. Oh, my God. Can you do that? Yeah. Can you read that yes, sentence? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're supposed to be him anyway. 
So. Oh, that's true. I read, but I read him with a French accent in the letter, didn't I? Yes, but um, we're discovering more and more yeah, about him every day. Yes, yes, yes. But for God's sake, <laughs> go now. <laughs> My guess at Agatha Christie's orthography trying to represent some English oh, dialect, which I it can't really possibly is, tell you. Um, uh, I feel like in some of the later books she gets quite a handle on how to write um, different accents. This, yes. um, I don't, I might be wrong, but. Yeah, well, ac- according to Elements of Style, which was Strunk and White, which was written in the 50s, so after this, um, yeah, the over the 20th century, writers learned to be much more sparing with their dialect um, I- indications. Yeah. Just the odd word there and there is the, became understood to be the best way to yeah. do it. But at this stage, they were still figuring that out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But for God's sake, oh no. <laughs> okay. Um, yes, yes, but for God's sake, go now, repeated the magistrate. He dismissed Denise and after a moment or two for consideration, recalled Francoise. To her, he propounded the question as to whether she had not made a mistake in fixing the night of Madame de Bro. De- Can you say it again? Madame de Bro. Dubreuil's visit. Francoise, however, proved unexpectedly obstinate. It was last night that Madame Dubreuil had come. Without a doubt, it was she. Denise wished to make herself interesting. Voilà tout. Yes, voilà tout. Mm. That's all. That's everything. So she had cooked up this fine tale about a strange lady. Airing her knowledge of English, too. Probably Monsieur had never spoken that sentence in English at all, and even if he had, it proved nothing, for Madame de Bray spoke English perfectly, and generally used that language when talking to Monsieur and Madame Renaud. You see, Monsieur Jacques, the son of Monsieur, was usually here, and he spoke the French very badly. The magistrate did not insist. Instead, he inquired about the chauffeur, and learned that only yesterday, Mr. Renault had declared that he was not likely to use the car, and that masters might just as well take a holiday. <laughs> a perplexed frown was beginning to gather between Poirot's eyes. What is it? I whispered. He shook his head impatiently, and asked a question. Uh, pardon. Monsieur Bex, but without doubt... Monsieur Renault could drive the car himself. The commissary looked over at Francoise, and the old woman replied promptly, No, Monsieur did not drive himself. Poirot's frown deepened. I wish you would tell me what is worrying you, I said impatiently. See you not. In his letter, Monsieur Renault speaks of sending the car for me to Calais. Hmm. Perhaps he meant a hired car, I suggested. Doubtless that is so, but why hire a car when you have use of your own? Why choose yesterday to send away the chauffeur on a holiday? Suddenly, at a moment's notice, was it that for some reason he wanted him out of the way before we arrived? End of chapter three. Fucking. We're gonna need some cliffhanger music. 
Yeah, that's actually a really good Tell idea. Tell your guy. Yeah. Jesus, that was a marathon chapter. Whew. Yeah. I'm sorry, I took over one of your guys halfway through. I hope they picked Oh, up. it's – just get the idea. We were going to do that it's anyway. A, it's a bunch of people talking in a room to some mates. Like, it's it's fine. What do you think about that um, stressful chapter? Lots of – it was information-packed. Well, you were – yeah, it's yeah, what we call expos. <sighs> expos. Uh, the thing is, you and I were so entrancé mm. by the uh, juggling the different characters. We might have missed some of those – Oh my God, the Agatha Christie, who was where and when at such times. I often get in, I blur through that to my great, you know, regret. I find that in the books, um, something mm. that is a um, a giant flaw, I mean, who could have seen it? By making all of your characters, you know, by making like 75% of them middle-aged white dudes and then like 25% <laughs> of them... <laughs> like 30-year-old or like, you know, white women, you're watching it and you're like, I literally just can't keep track of who mm. is where, not because of your expert clue making, but because these four characters are the same guy. Who would have imagined that such a lack of diversity in um, your stories could actually be bad? Yeah. And the thing that's getting me is when, I mean, I guess now they have interviewed people, but when they first said they talked about the discovery of Madame Durand, Renault. Mm. <laughs> now with, who's my wife, my wife, my wife, <laughs> as she suddenly appeared. Um, that, that, they had, that they had her response on the servant's authority. Yeah. So, so that's the kind of like, ah, oh, but actually the servants, other servants to be trusted. Yeah. We've got two different servants with two different versions on who came last night. So That's a frequent, you know. a, a frequent tactic is the like the, the wife or like, you know, like the woman of the household is often been, is allowed to be, is allowed to faint and take a bunch of sedatives before talking to the cops. This always happens. Um, everyone else, it's like, okay, I know you're upset, but you have to come down here. But like, you have, if if it's the wife or the mum, it's like, no, they are too distressed and can talk to you in 24 hours, so you only get secondhand recounts of what their actual yeah. reactions are. Um, I also a big thing that always pops out to me is when she says. Um, Oh, and the Monsieur Jacques, the son of um, Monsieur, he spoke French very badly. Whenever it's pointed out that mm. there's like someone speaks a language badly, there's often later like, oh, I overheard this conversation between these people and it's like, but it couldn't have been them because that guy doesn't speak French or something. Right. Yeah. I get, okay. Agatha loves that. Or like, right, you get, you know, it's like this letter from my son. It's like, it's in perfect French and he's shit at it. So it's a yeah, forged yeah. letter. Um, yeah, it's along with the badly blotted or the changed writing mm, and the somebody else put the signature strange on. Strange smudges that suggest of, that he actually is left-handed. You know, that kind of thing. Hang on. <laughs> no. No, no, I thought that could explain it. <laughs> okay, so um, that's chapter three. Should we leave it there for the, for the night? That's it, just chapter three? Um, we could. It was quite a long one, a real uh, a real 
banner one. But the next chapter is only like three pages long. Um, yeah, Holly, now that was when that was my cue to you to, to say, no, we've <laughs> got to read on like just like the old days. I would say, well, that's it. Should we go to sleep now, Holly? Oh, that sort of thing. And you would you would fold it away and I would be devastated. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> you can get up to leave the room, go to st- put the record on. Oh, so cruel! Such a such a commitment to a bit could be could be so devastating. Oh, s- speaking of putting that my record on, mm. um, I actually got my that amp, the amp from the old days, my old hi fi, my Kenwood hi fi mm. amp. I just got it repaired. It's ready to be picked up. Yes, you told me the on the phone w- two days ago. Yeah, but the other people don't know, and I thought it was Jermaine. Oh, right? oh! Everyone needs to know about Dad's old amp. Sorry, listen up. Because <laughs> it was just—I was just finishing the story that you know the touch yes. of the old, the olden days. That it's still possible. So I took it down to this little place. Um, I won't product place for you, but a little place in Doncaster, and they. They shook their head at it, Monsieur. They said, "Oh, I don't know if it's oh, if it's the, if it's the transformer, we can." But um, no, no, I've got a little SMS saying it's ready to be picked up. This thing from it's not it is younger than you by not very much. Yeah, it's a it's a nineties item for sure. Mm. We're both children of the nineties, me and it. Yes, Dad would always put uh, a record on for going to sleep. I listened to music to go to sleep to, like horrendously late. I found out when I started to try and go to sleepovers when I was, you know, like 10 and was like, why doesn't everyone else listen to the fucking Four Seasons while you're going to sleep or Enya or whatever is going on? And children are just like, um, no, we don't do that. I think, well, two things. One, you just... That was your sleeping pattern. But also, I guess, you know, we kind of wanted to tease the experience out a little bit too. Oh, that yeah. Last night, that last night was always a grim grim afternoon. It was like, oh, taking Holly back to school tomorrow or creche or wherever. Yeah. It's, um yeah, Sundays. I've, I've, I feel like the Sunday blues carry on for a lot of people into their adulthood for me for sure. But mine is definitely leftover of like. Yeah, it's always been a weird transitional twilight. It's kind of why I wanted to record and like release these on Sundays because it's such a like, mm. you know, beat those Sunday blues. Be fine. There'll be another mm. Sunday. There's always another chapter. And and another chapter. Aha. So the next chapter. <laughs> okay, are we gonna do better this time? I don't know. Let's um not learn. <laughs> yeah, I think we're just gonna not learn any lessons from our last chapter's disaster and just dive in and hope that um, we sort out the characters as we go, as worked so yeah. well in the last one. Because uh, I certainly yeah. can't be bothered doing anything else other than that. Can you? Yes, you might, have, you've all, you, might have, you might all have picked up that one of the characters changed over from Holly to me. At least one. Um, at and least at least one. once, probably more times. Um, but you get all the information. That, that chapter is always just it's to all get blocks of it's- info out. So. It's, exp- it's expository lumps. Here's say. a bunch of of info that is like part of the tactic of lumping it all in at once is that you don't you miss the little bits that are actually important. Okay, um, chapter four. The letter signed Bella. Francoise had left the room. The magistrate was drumming thoughtfully on the table. <laughs> I can't hear it, but. Dad is drumming his fingers. Maybe it'll come up in the track. 
Monsieur Bex, he said at length, here we have directly conflicting testimony. Which are we to believe? Francoise or Denise? Denise, <laughs> said the commissary decidedly. He just like, just picks Denise. <laughs> that was very decidedly, I have to say. Yeah, I just love that it's, it's clearly not such a, okay, he's going to explain his reasoning, but I feel like he's just going with his gut on this one. It was mm. she who let the visitor in. Francoise is old and obstinate <laughs> and has evidently taken a dislike to Madame de Bruyne. Besides, our own knowledge tends to show that Renault was entangled with another woman. Tiens! cried Monsieur Hautet. We have forgotten to inform Monsieur Parot of that. He searched amongst the papers on the table and finally handed the one he was in search of to my friend. This, Monsieur Poirot, we found in the pocket of the dead man's overcoat. Poirot took it and unfolded it. It was somewhat worn and crumpled and was written in English in a rather uniformed hand. Should I read uh, Bella's letter? Yeah, we The letter Bella. signed Bella? Okay. My dearest one, why have you not written for so long? You do love me still, don't you? Your letters lately have been so different, cold and strange, and now there's long silence. I say he's not still in love with her. Like, mm. Just not into, just not into. Mm, but, you know, maybe we'll find out. It makes me afraid. If you were to stop loving me, but that's impossible. What a silly kid I am, always imagining things. But if you did stop loving me, I don't know what I should do. Kill myself, perhaps. <laughs> There's an option. <laughs> Perhaps. Uh, there's this myriad of things to choose from. I couldn't live without you. Sometimes I fancy another woman is coming between us. Let her look out. That's all. And you too. I'd as soon kill you mm. as let her have you. I mean it. But there, I'm writing high-flown nonsense. You love me and I love you. <laughs> yes, love you, love you, love you. Your own adoring Bella. Bella sounds like a fucking psycho. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But I'm really going, boy, does she blow hot and cold, <laughs> Just, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like her tone is so like, beep it up. And um, man, that's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, I, Chill out, babe. I love the, <laughs> I lo no, I just love the requisite character who threatens to kill other character. Oh, yeah. And you know that, but of course, you know when she says, um, I mean it. Like whenever you have to say, whenever you say something and then you say, it's true or I mean it. It's like, it's not true. You don't mean it. Otherwise, you wouldn't yes. say, I mean it. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. I'm particularly, I've been annoyed so much in previous years at senior public figures who precede what they're about to say with, nobody doubts that, and then goes on to say something I just completely disagree everyone, with. I just want to jump Everyone doubts it. There's, yeah, it's, um, oh, it's a, yeah, that's a shit one. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, that's gross. Don't like it. Okay. Um. Your own adoring Bella. There was no address or date. Poirot handed it back with a grey face. And the assumption is... The examining magistrate shrugged his shoulders. Obviously, Monsieur Renaud was entangled with this Englishwoman, Bella. A famous English name, I just <laughs> insert. Yeah. He comes over here, meets Madame d'Aubreuil, and starts an intrigue with her he cools off to the other and she instantly suspects something this letter contains a distinct threat monsieur parot at first sight the case seemed 
simplicity itself. Jealousy. The fact that Monsieur Reynaud was stabbed in the back seemed to point distinctly to it being a woman's crime. <laughs> sans doute, I would add. Sans doute. Voilà tout. That's, that, it's, that, that's what it must mean. A woman's crime. It's fine. Poirot nodded. Um, the stab in the back, yes. But not the grave. That was laborious work, hard work. No woman dug that grave, monsieur. That was a man's doing. Uh, okay, so uh, Poirot thinks okay. that women can't dig graves. Obviously, uh, big fucking problematic red flag, hashtag feminism here. But um, we'll just go with it. And I do like that for so many years, women seem to just probably just got away with a bunch of crimes. Like that's it. They were just we were just like killing husbands left, right, and center, and they were just like, "This is a man's crime," and we we're like, "Ooh, hmm. don't blame me. I'm just a girl." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I love the Alfred Hitchcock quote that it takes a long time and it's very hard to kill someone. Mm. And quite often these whodunits just don't take hold of that that idea. You know. Well, Agatha Christie doesn't like gore. Like some whodunits, um, some some detective novels, they like they like to include that stuff in it. But I feel like she spoke about being like it's it's about the puzzles. It's not about the gore. She doesn't really like that kind yeah. of stuff. Okay, sorry, so okay. much waffling. Um, that waffling. Stabbed in the back. Woman's crime. Uh, I repeat, stabbed in the back. Yes, but not the great. I know. I already did my interruption. That was a man's doing. The commissary exclaimed excitedly. Yes. Yes, you are right. I think Sorry. I'm the commissary. You're big. Yes, you are. Okay. Okay. Yes. Take yes, it. you are. Take two. <laughs> Once you give yourself your own cue again. <laughs> the commissary exclaimed excitedly. Yes, yes, you are right. We did not think of that. As I said. Continued Monsieur Ote. At first sight, the case seemed simple. But the masked men... And the letter you received from Monsieur Renault complicate matters. Here we seem to have an entirely different set of circumstances, with no relationship between the two. As regards the letter written to yourself, do you think it is possible that it referred in any way to this Bella and her threats? Poirot shook his head. Hardly. A man like Monsieur Renault, who has led an adventurous life, in out-of-the-way places, would not likely to ask for protection against a woman. The examining magistrate nodded his head emphatically. My view exactly. Then we must look for the explanation of the letter. In Santiago, finished the commissary. I shall cable without delay to the police in that city, requesting full details of the murdered man's life out there his love affairs, his business transactions, his friendships, and any enmities he may have incurred. It will be strange if, after that, we do not hold a clue to his mysterious murder. The commissary looked around for approval. Excellent, said Poirot, appreciatively. You have found no other letters from Miss Bella among Monsieur Renault's effects? asked Poirot. No. Of course, one of our first proceedings was to search through his private papers in the study. We found nothing of interest, however. All seemed square and above board. The only thing at all out of the ordinary was his will. 
here it is. Poirot ran through the document. So, a legacy of a thousand pounds to Monsieur Stoner. He's just Mr. Who is he? Oh, I'll say that again. So, a legacy of a thousand pounds to Mr. Stoner. Who is he, by the way? Monsieur Renault's secretary. He remained in England, but was over here once or twice for a weekend. And everything else left unconditionally to his beloved wife, Eloise. Simply drawn up, but perfectly legal. Witnessed by the two servants, Denise and Francoise. Nothing so very unusual about that. He handed it back. Perhaps, began Bex, you did not notice. The date? <laughs> Twinkled Poirot. Ah, but yes, I noticed it a fortnight ago. Possibly it marks his first intimation of danger. Many rich men die intestate through never considering the likelihood of their demise. But it is dangerous to draw conclusions prematurely. It points, however, to his having a real liking and fondness for his wife, in spite of his amorous intrigues. What does intestate mean? Uh, without a will. Oh, okay. No testament given. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes, <laughs> said Monsieur Ote, doubtfully. Oh, hang on, doubtfully. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's terrible when she puts the the, the 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 verb in the middle of the sentence. Yeah, it's okay. just rude. Well, she has to she has to mix it up. Yeah. Yes, said Monsieur Ote, doubtfully. But it is possibly a little unfair on his son, since it leaves him entirely dependent on his mother. If she were to marry again and her second husband obtained an ascendancy over her, this boy might never touch a penny of his father's money. Poirot shrugged his shoulders. Man is a vain animal. Monsieur Renault figured to himself without doubt that his widow would never marry again. As to the son, it may have been a wise precaution to leave the money in his mother's hands. The sons of rich men are proverbially wild. It may be as you say. Now, Monsieur Parrault, you would without doubt like to visit the scene of the crime. I am sorry that the body has been removed, but of course photographs have been taken from every conceivable angle and will be at your disposal as soon as they are available. I thank you, Monsieur, for all your courtesy. The commissary rose. Come with me, Monsieurs. He opened a door and bowed ceremoniously to Poirot to precede him. Poirot, with equal politeness, drew back and bowed to the commissary. Monsieur? Monsieur. At last they got out into the hall. That room there? It is the study, eh? Asked Poirot suddenly, nodding towards the door opposite. Yes. You would like to see it? He threw open the door as he spoke and we entered. The room which Mr. Renault had chosen for his own particular use, his own particular use, was small but furnished with great taste and comfort. A business-like writing desk with many pigeonholes stood in the window. Two large leather-covered armchairs faced the fireplace, and between them was a round table covered with the latest books and magazines. Poirot stood for a moment talking in the room, oh, taking in the room. Then he stepped forward, passed his hand lightly over the backs of the leather chairs, picked up a magazine from the table, and drew a finger gingerly over the surface of the oak sideboard. His face expressed complete approval. No dust? I asked with a smile. He beamed at me, appreciative of my knowledge of his peculiarities. 
Not a particle, mon ami. And for once. And oh, sorry. <laughs> for once, perhaps it is a pity. His sharp, bird-like eyes darted here and there. Ah! He remarked suddenly, with an intonation of relief. The hearth rug is crooked. And he bent down to straighten it. Suddenly, he uttered an exclamation and rose. In his hand, he held a small fragment of pink paper. In France, as in England, the domestics omit to sweep under the mats. Bex took the fragment from him, and I came closer to examine it. You recognize it, eh, Hastings? I shook my head, puzzled, and yet that particular shade of pink paper was very familiar. The commissary's mental processes were quicker than mine. A fragment of a check, he exclaimed. The piece of paper was roughly about two inches square. On it was written in ink the word Duvine, which it's capital D-U-V-E-E-N. Might be significant. Yes. Spelling. Well, I thought, you know, it's a, because it, it's D, a yeah. proper noun. Mm. Um, mm, should say. I would assume it's a proper noun. Sounds like a name, maybe? Mm. Or a place? Yeah, not a French name. Yeah. Interessant. I think we might hear what Beck says about it in a second. That might shed some illumination oh. on the subject. Um, I'm not sure how illuminating it's going to be. Bien, said Bex. This check was payable to, or drawn by, someone named Devine. The former, I fancy, said Poirot. For if I am not mistaken, the handwriting is that of Monsieur Renaud. That was soon established by comparing it with a memorandum from the desk. Dear me, murmured the commissary with a crestfallen air. I really cannot imagine how I came to overlook this. Poirot laughed. <laughs> the moral of that is, always look under the mats. My friend Hastings here will tell you that anything in the least crooked is a torment to me. As soon as I saw that the hearthrug was out of the straight, I said to myself, Tiens, the legs of the chair caught in it being pushed back. Possibly there may be something beneath it which the good Françoise overlooked. Françoise? Or Denise or Léonie. Whoever did this room, since there is no dust, the room must have been done this morning. I reconstruct the incident like this. Yesterday, possibly last night, Monsieur Renaud drew a check to the order of someone named Duvine. Afterwards, it was torn up and scattered on the floor. This morning... But Monsieur Bex was already pulling impatiently at the bell. Françoise answered it. Yes, there had been a lot of pieces of paper on the floor. What had she done with them? Put them in the kitchen stove, of course. What else? With a gesture of despair, Bex dismissed her. Then his face lightening, he ran to the desk. In a minute, he was hunting through the dead man's checkbook. Then he repeated his former gesture. The last counterfoil was blank. <laughs> Courage, cried Poirot, clapping him on the back. Without doubt, Madame Renault would be able to tell us all about this mysterious person named Duvine. The commissary's face cleared. That is true. Let us proceed. As we turned to leave the room, Poirot remarked casually. It was here that Monsieur Renault received his guest last night, eh? It was, but how did you know? By this... I found it on the back of the leather chair. And he held up between his finger and thumb a long black hair. A woman's hair. Monsieur Bex took us out by the back. 
Hastings, just on site. A woman's hair. Okay. Monsieur Bex. He's onto it. Oh, God. Monsieur Bex took us out by the back of the house to where there was a small shed leaning against the house. He produced a key from his pocket and unlocked it. The body is here. We moved it from the scene of the crime just before you arrived, as the photographers had done with it. He opened the door and we passed in. The murdered man lay on the ground with a sheet over him. Monsieur Bex dexterously whipped off the covering. Renault was a man of medium height, slender, and lithe in figure. He looked about 50 years of age, and his dark hair was plentifully streaked with grey. He was clean-shaven, with a long, thin nose, and eyes rather set close together, and his skin was deeply bronzed, as that of a man who had spent most of his life beneath tropical skies. His lips were drawn back from his teeth, and an expression of absolute amazement and terror was stamped on the livid features. One can see by his face that he was stabbed in the back, remarked Poirot. Very gently, he turned the dead man over. There, between the shoulder blades, staining the light fawn overcoat, was a round, dark patch. In the middle of it, there was a slit in the cloth. Poirot examined it narrowly. Have you any idea with what weapon the crime was committed? It was left in the wound. The commissary reached down a large glass jar. In it was a small object that looked, to me, more like a paper knife than anything else. It had a black handle and a narrow, shining blade. The whole thing was not more than ten inches long. Poirot tested the discoloured point gingerly with his fingertip. Ma foi! But it is sharp! A nice, easy little tool for murder. Unfortunately, we could find no trace of fingerprints on it, remarked Bex regretfully. The murderer must have worn gloves. Of course he did, said Poirot, contemptuously. Even in Santiago... They know enough for that. Um, the veriest amateur of an English mise knows it. Thanks to the publicity, the Bertillon system has been given to the press. What's the Bertillon? I guess that's like fingerprint that whoever they who discovered hmm? doing fingerprints is Bertillon. Yeah. Now it's, it's. I'm sorry. To me, Bertillon has special resonance mm. because when I learned French at high school. It was all about a family called Bertillon. Yeah, the Bertillons who discovered fingerprints and, uh, you know, French criminology. Well, yeah, well, their grandson actually worked as a douanier at the Orly Airport and he spoke with a very deep voice, which is why I sometimes that's, – that's the thing. And all the children spoke like that. Yeah. Oui, maman. And oh, like oui, that. oui, maman. So Monsieur Bertillon is a douanier and he, he wears a little kippy. So that's, oh, of course, being a douanier. A okay, that's very cute. <laughs> okay, here we go. Um, even in Santiago, they know enough for that. The veriest amateur of an English mise knows it, thanks to the publicity the Bertillon system has been given in the press. All the same, it interests me very much that there were no fingerprints. It is so amazingly simple to leave the fingerprints of someone else. And then the police are happy. He shook his head. I very much fear our criminal is not a man of method. Either that or he was pressed for time. But we shall see. He let the body fall back in its original position. (laughs) (laughs) What? 
Oh, he just drops like, it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I watched too much Monty Python when I was as young, and uh, um, yeah, yeah, that um, uh, that's actually, <laughs> yeah. What, well, I'm done with him. He, he, he wore only underclothes under his overcoat, I see. No, I say that. No, no, it's no he. I see, sorry. Fuck. Same. We're really near the end of this chapter, guys. I'm so sorry. Okay. Don't let him. Yeah, it is. It's, it's getting there. Yeah. He wore only underclothes under his overcoat, I see. He remarked. Yes, the examining magistrate thinks that is rather, rather a curious point. At this minute, at this minute, there was a tap on the door, which my father decided to replicate by knocking on a microphone, and I am afraid that it was probably just weird and annoying. But uh, he strode forward and opened it. Francoise was there. She endeavoured to peep in with ghoulish curiosity. Well, what is it? demanded Bex impatiently. Madame, she sends a message that she is much recovered and is quite ready to receive the examining magistrate. Good said Monsieur Brex, briskly. Tell Monsieur Otet and say that we will come at once. Poirot lingered a moment, looking back towards the body that he had just dumped onto the ground. <laughs> I thought for a moment that he was going to apostrophize it, to declare aloud his determination never to rest until he had discovered the murderer. But when he spoke, it was tamely and awkwardly, and his comment was ludicrously inappropriate to the solemnity of the moment. He wore his overcoat very long, he said, constrainedly. Insert. End of chapter music. Ching, ching. Once again, um, Strunk and White's The Elements of Style would say, don't make adverbs out of, particip- out of participles, Const- like constrainedly. Constrainedly, yeah, it's not great. Th- th- their example is tangledly. Tangledly. T- Tangledly. Like yeah. I've, it works sometimes, but not as often as people wished it would when they write. Um, what did you get out of that chapter other than Poirot's uh, severe w- lack of respect for dead bodies? And, <laughs> and women. women. Oh, that was the previous uh. chapter. Oh, there was a bit of that um, in this one. Well, it was, it was a little bit more contained, wasn't it? We just had Bex. Oh, there was the, the whole thing with the um, – so we just we did the the study as well, didn't we? Yeah, they went to the study. Yeah. They found the check. Uh, we talked about Devine. Um, no, a lot a it lot was, more contained, mu- but also um, a lot more um, a lot more word pictures. I kind of knew where we were. It wasn't just a bunch of talking heads in a in like a generic room, yeah. you know, in like in the in the salon or whatever it yeah. was. It was. Now we're in the study and we're finding the little scrap of paper. It's, you always want that little scrap of paper. Oh, yeah. And um, you always find like, it because Poirot is, um, you know, is compulsively neat and he has yeah. to straighten things and then he finds a clue because he likes things so neat. And luckily, and I love the way the check has been torn to pieces, the housekeeper's thrown the rest away except the bit they want. Yeah, with the name. You know when you rip up a check? And you rip it so precisely as to leave the addressee completely intact, and then you save that little. I always scrap make sure paper. to. I don't know if I've ever it's written a really check. Hard to do if you try. Have I ever written a check? No, probably not. No. No, I think you still get when you um, when you buy something at the supermarket and you wave the little card and it says check savings credit. I have no idea what that you means. Those- like what check means. Okay, we've probably hey. gone on for about 
one million years. Uh, what have we got? We've got a bunch of information about what happened on the night uh, Monsieur Renault was killed. We know that. So, mm. so that the door was locked before the so-called famous two masked men came in. Um, two masked men came in. There's always the no, but it's, masked men. I love. Was it locked or was it? Did like Francois lock it and then? Mm, Monsieur Renault unlock it, maybe for, to let in yeah, his so lady that's, friend. That, that w- well, that's the that's the thing. It's it's one of those. It it, it mu- he must have known the killers. I've, I feel that coming. Right. Okay. Um, the lady came. I'm, I'm kind of a bit dupe. I'm a bit dupe. I'm a bit dupe about these masked men. There's something. Oh yeah, these two masked men come in, um, and p- apparently from the mafia. Yeah, for the mafia gag. You know, the countryside's full of burglars and assassins. You know, oh yeah. Um, Just look, my God, they go with one now, yeah. racing by. Um, yes, and so his wife was found gagged and bound, and we haven't spoken to her yet. You got a rap. You got to. You got to now make a rap about this. Well, this it was a very the like, wife was found gagged and bound. Keep going. I'm loving it. No, definitely not. Maybe need some triplets. Some triplets <laughs> there. I can't do. I can't rap. I'm really good at rhyming. I know but I can't you rap can't rap. I, it's it's important that you don't <laughs> to me yeah I know. <laughs> it's important to me yeah that you strain yourself I, 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 I okay i will never try um that's it i hate i it hate first. clipping your wings but um but i do yeah i do think it's important to know where we are at the end of this because it was quite a lot of yeah. info and we did um yeah. swap and we probably forgot half of it so they did so the um so the door was locked at 10.30, but it must have been unlocked later on by Monsieur Renault himself, we presume. Hmm. And that night he saw a woman who was either Madame de Bray or some young English woman. Perhaps named Bella. May, perhaps named Bella, um, who is, seems to be quite up and down about things in life, mm. as she, even from one end of the letter to another. She seems um, like she's maybe like 17 years old. Like... Which, hey, 17 years old, does that ring a bell? Oh, a certain, Cinderella. A certain, appa- a certain Cinderella. Now, didn't Cinderella have a sister? Yes. I think it was a twin Who? sister as well. A twin sister. Yeah, tumbling didn't, didn't, twins. What, what, it's two weeks ago, but now I'm, now I'm just merging my women of my life together. I just remember the they women. were kind of a bit, you know, a bit saucy because they wore lipstick. They were they were, so, but they weren't Demi. They weren't Demi. Yeah. Okay, so there's that, which is definitely oh, on, that's on the cards, um, and that's that's all we've yeah, got she, kind of so far. And then he was found in this open grave for some reason. There was a grave being so either there was a grave being dug already, or a grave was dug for him. It seems to yeah, me well, like I a think- grave was be, would have been dug beforehand because why would you dig a grave for a person you're yeah. about to kill? Throw him in and then not bury him. Even if you're a, a robust man, <laughs> graves, oh yes, ho- holes big enough to put somebody in full length take a long time to dig. I know. I built my own house. Mm. Holes take time. Okay, so then he's in this grave that a man built because women are piss weak, and um, now now there's like it's, he was murdered with a woman's crime. So. The, the grave is dug by a man, but perhaps a woman stabbed him because it's in the back with this tiny little 
cute only, a ladies' only women paper knife. In the back. Yeah, only women stab people in the back, um, and also with a cutesy little like paper knife. So very and, lightweight. And, and by the way, get, getting back to Cinderella, so called, mm. she was coming from somewhere in France, right? So Hastings met her on the train. Yeah, from from Calais, maybe, or like, or they were supposed to, they were going to Calais, and then like it was supposed yeah. to cross back to England, but then maybe she didn't come because she was waiting to find her sister. Yeah, um, that's right. It's the, the Calais Express from somewhere, from Paris, I guess. Yes, they were going from Paris sure. to Calais. Mm. So it's all fitting together. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we know exactly what's going on. Um, very concise and succinct recap for you there. Okay. okay. <laughs> thanks, thanks for hanging, staying through to the end of it. Um, yeah. Hopefully um, there's some more... Uh, you know, just character things and not glutts of information. There usually is after you have that that big lump at the start. Yeah, from memory. Okay. Well, now the next. I can't wait to hear what Madame Renault or Reynold, if they're English, however they pronounce I it. I think she's French. Okay. Yeah. I think the wife but is Reynold. Reynold. She's Reynold. You know, she because they as I said oh, they dropped their you, in France. Lord. <laughs> Oh, yeah, stuff like that. For those of you real English people out there, I'm terribly sorry for the dreadful East End accent I ah, just pretended to. Ooh, okay. You heard it first. Well, language Okay. Honey. Okay. Sorry. All right. Thanks very much. Signing off now. Um, goodbye, Dad. Goodbye, daughter. See you real soon. Every second Sunday. Very nice. Sorry. sorry. See you real soon. Every second weekend. Sunday. You, you put Sunday in earlier. I think Sunday's better. Every Second Weekend is produced by me and my dad, John Edward. Zach Milnagretny is our lovely production assistant and the prodigious Lehman B. Smith composed our theme music. Thanks so much, team. And thanks so much for listening. <laughs>